Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast. You're more in pitching podcast from pitchless.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today we're going to talk about the Boston Red Sox as we continue going through all 30 starting pitching rotations in the major leagues. And yes, I'll have an extra one for the free agents. I'm recording these in no- end of November and December. So keep that in mind as I talk about these guys. I don't know about any future transactions from free agents to trades to injuries. So adapt as you will. I will, of course, talk about potential openings and I'm not sure who will get spots and all of that and also again at the end about free agents but let's go to it with the Boston Red Sox Chris Sale of course is the biggest name inside this rotation as of right now we only saw him for 5.2 innings it was only one start and then he hurt his finger in the second one we've been waiting for Chris Sale to have a full season since 2018 really 2019 he was hurt it was the weirdest thing ever we didn't really know how to feel about Chris Sale that when we knew he needed Tommy John it was just kind of inevitable Finally, he got it, came back, had a shortened season. It was a very weird one in 2021. It wasn't really himself, high whip, all that kind of stuff. And we only saw him for two games last year. The way I see it with Chris Sale is he might actually be a really good discount in drafts next year. There is a massive injury risk. If you were getting Chris Sale as an SP3 or SP4, I wouldn't necessarily encourage that because you need to get more out of him for him to return value at that point. However, He's been going, I, I think, around the 15th round, 16th round, something along those lines. And at that point, he's not your SP4. He's your SP5 or so. And the ceiling is massive here. The Red Sox are going to let Chris Sale pitch through the season. He was hitting 95 uh, before that second start. I imagine a fully healthy offseason. Everything is okay. You're going to see him in the spring. He's going to be around 95 miles per hour. Things are going to be all right. He still has that incredible slider. And the changeup, hopefully, does become the pitch that it used to be as well. I think Chris Sale is going to be better than that 20% K rate that you're seeing from last year, which is so silly because it was just two games. He's going to be better than 134 whip or that high elevated whip um, that you saw in 2021. And you're going to get a fair amount of wins. I think Chris Sale is an excellent addition to all your staffs. And a lot of times you're getting a guy at that point in the draft and you don't really know if you're going to drop him or hold on to him. Chris Sale, yeah, you're going to start him for as long as he's healthy. And I think that's a really cool thing. So I'm kind of in on Chris Sale. Don't invest so much into him and of course you know you might only get like 120 innings or something might be some injury that's fine again make sure you get him at a point where you do not need to rely on it but you're excited to get the value for when he does start Nick Pavetta oh boy Nick Pavetta last year uh, 180 innings just about four five six ERA 138 whip 23% K rate 9% walk rate this is a true cherry bomb not a premium one an actual cherry bomb where every other start it felt he was doing something great or something terrible. And uh, there was that stretch he had in May, the June, that was really nice about uh, eight weeks or so. He only surrendered six long balls in that time, 1,100 pitches thrown. Yet by the end of the year, he had 27 long balls total, right? And that was really what was uh, pushing that success. But on a given night, 
How Nick Pavetta does well is if he can get that slider and curveball down. It's so important to him. He struggles with it. His curveball only has a 41% low lock. That is low location. The league average is 61% in the elites. If you remember the Zach Gallon podcast with uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, it was around 80% for him. So that's bad. <laughs> you don't know where the pitch is going to go every time he throws it. Sometimes it looks so beautiful that slider and cripple are down and then the fastball can go up, but everything gets crushed because he makes these mistakes. It's just stress. I will say 4-5-6 ERA is not really representative of Nick Pavetta because he doesn't do that every game. The good part about a cherry bomb is that he will have moments of success. He had nine innings of one earned run, which was actually the first batter of the game. Jose Altuve hit a home run. Then after that, it was nine innings of a complete game shutout, eight strikeouts against the Astros. That is possible from Nick Pavetta, but then the next game, it could be three innings of five earned runs and you hate everything. I don't want to draft this. This is a desperation weekend play, not something that is actually on my fantasy team through this season. James Paxson is a little more interesting, which I know people are going to roll roll their eyes about, but as your last pick in the draft, this is a player who we haven't seen pitch in ages at his prime, was incredibly effective as he introduced more velocity, we're talking 95 to 99, introduced a cutter, instead of being a, a, a curveball changeup, more cutter first, curveball second, maybe sometimes rarely that changeup, and was dominant when he did pitch. Even with the Yankees, he still was good. He wasn't as good as he should have been as he was with the Mariners, but it was still very good. I really like this, that my last pick of the draft, and just see what spring treats, uh, how it treats James Paxton. It could be a waste of a pick, but it's the 22nd round or so. Why not? The Red Sox are going to try and get everything out of him. It's the last year of the contract. It was a 4 million player option. Paxton said yes because he hasn't pitched for ages and wants to improve himself. I completely get it. You get guaranteed for 4 million. He had a lot of injuries last year. There was elbow snores as he was coming back from Tommy John and then lat tightness shut him down for the year. So keep that in mind. Health is a major question. But as your last pick, eh, that's a pretty interesting one, especially if he does well in the spring. So keep that on your radar. Brian Bayo is interesting also. He's a young pitcher. Came up last year for 57 innings. 471 ERA, 178 whip, which is horrendous, I know. We'll get to this. 20% walk, uh, strike every and 10% walk rate. What I should mention, though, is he did better as the season went on. And he throws 96 mile per hour sinkers with a changeup that got better as he, you know, his better performances hinged on that changeup improving. And he has a slider that does get a lot of strikes, 65% strike rate or so. Now, the, the slider does not miss bats. 9% swing strike rate is an issue as he doesn't have that big breaking ball that you want to see. The sinker, despite being 96, gets hit very hard. A 402 batting average allowed last year with a 450. BABIP is going to change. A 45% rate of allowing hit on the sinker is crazy high, right? And that should come down to closer to, you know, 30%. So 300 BABIP or something like that. Still, uh, I'm a little worried about it. The changeup is nice. It is good against the lefties. It really took down the Orioles, for example. But against the Jays, more right-handers in the lineup. He was able to do some righty-on-righty crimes, but he had to rely more on the slider. And the slider just isn't good enough. It's fine. But for a fastball that doesn't miss bats, it's trying to get grounders at a high rate, which it does. I don't really want to trust that. So we, I need to see more out of the slider uh, for Bayo to become a, a pitcher of interest for me. I need to see better command, I guess, with the sinker really dominating 
and getting that inside and a little bit higher up, honestly, so that we do get more, uh, well, beneficial grounders as opposed to the 450 Babbitt we saw. And that changeup has to become a legitimate weapon uh, consistently. So that's uh, a little bit too much for me to chase, especially in 12-teamers right now and out of the gate. But I'm curious. I mean, he has the velocity and he has an improved uh, changeup and all. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And there's Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock are both other young options that the Red Sox should be considering entering the uh, 2023 season. I'm going to say right now, I expect there to be some free agent signing. Someone is going to join this team. My guess is you have some free agent. Then you have Chris Sale, Nick Pavetta as one, two, three. If James Paxton is healthy, he is pitching. That's four. And then you're going to see Bayo, Hauk, and Whitlock fight for number five. My guess is that it would go to Bayo. There's a chance that it's Whitlock. I would say Tanner Hauk is likely out because he's done a good job as a reliever. He had 60 innings total of last year. A lot of those came in relief, just really two starts, or actually three starts, and then one random kind of two, three-inning spot start, and more like a bullpen game that he had. And the thing about Hauk is that the slider that's really good. We were talking about him being the right-handed Chris Sale with that huge slider, uh, but there isn't much else outside of that. The sinker is very arm-side, and did have about 37% O-swing last year, which is great, which is really good. I love seeing sinkers above 30%. However... I don't think it's enough. I think that he still gets hit too hard. It's around a 30% hard contact rate on it. Same with the four-seamer. The splitter is too inconsistent as uh, to be a starter. And we'll say with Chris Sale, he also had the changeup that is an effective, consistent offering for him. It wasn't as good in 2021 for Chris Sale, but that is why Sale was able to get away with the fastball slider that he has. Also, the fastball was more overwhelming than how sinker is. So... All that combined doesn't really speak to being a starter, more of a reliever for me. And I think that I would rather go with someone else who's also more efficient. 9% walk rate for Tanner Houck. He is not a guy that I can think, well, I can depend on having a low walk rate um, and keeping that whip down. And the 23% strikeout rate is a little bit more akin to what we should expect in the 30% that we saw in that very short stint in 2021. As for Garrett Whitlock... You have a 345 ERA, 102 whip across the 78 innings we saw at the major league level. Same idea, though, as how as he didn't get too many opportunities to be a starter later in the season, but we did see it a decent amount through the year. And I think there is more here to like as a starting pitcher. You have a sinker that is more glove side than arm side. Kind of reminds me of Aaron Nola as uh, Whitlock will go back door to right handers a ton and actually focus on that sinker coming back over the plate to to left-handers there are times it comes too far over just a little bit though had a 27% hard contact rate last year I wish that were were a little bit better I as that is a major asset for Whitlock and how he will go on a given night is if that sinker is getting hit hard or not he has a nice slider 22% swing strike rate he made a lot of mistakes with it and it got crushed a fair amount. Now, not too many balls in play, only 30 uh, balls in play last year, bad ball events, but he had a hard contact rate of over 33%. Not exactly what you want to see. Lots of home runs, a lot on the pitch, four of them. So Whitlock has some areas to improve there, but that high whiff rate uh, on the slider and the sinker that is could get better command on the glove side. There's something to like about that. And he also has a decent changeup too, I should mention. Um, so those three things combined make him a more of a complete pitcher than Hauk in my view. And there is more c- 
conceivable improvement um, for Whitlock to have as he continues pitching in the majors. So I'm a little more intrigued about Garrett Whitlock. I think he can actually be a six-inning guy, especially with that sinker coming inside a lot to to left-handers and staying away from right-handers. I think there's something to that for Whitlock. Hopefully he does adapt adapt to jamming guys inside with a sinker as well and going both sides of the plate, but that's, you know, that's another story. Um, The other three guys are Cutter Crawford, Connor Siebold, and Josh Winkowski that we saw last year. None of those guys should be on your radar. Um, I really would be shocked if any of these earned a rotation spot over the three I just mentioned. Um, There's just not enough across their repertoire to really... Uh, to really suggest that they should get that opportunity. So put them on the side for now. But that's it with the Red Sox. Uh, I wish there was more hype about this. Garrett Whitlock, I think, is the more intriguing one of the three. But honestly, it's going to be something that we're expecting something new out of all of these guys. Whitlock and Hauk and Bayo and Paxton and even Chris Hill. Nick Pavetta, I would be shocked if he was anything different, okay? He'll have a hot streak at some point, but whatever. Chris Sale, we all all going to watch him in the spring and see how we feel about that, especially James Paxton. Those are really the two that I'm most excited about. But Bayo, Hauk, and Whitlock, I think your 12-teamers, you're better off um, avoiding for the most part. Now, I'm not going to be doing a podcast at the very end, and actually, I'm just going to be editing these uh, signings at the end of the team podcasts. And Corey Kluber! Look at this, is joining the Red Sox. It makes all the sense in the world. Why? Because the Red Sox are not going going for it in 2023. They let Xander Bogarts go. They didn't make a big offensive signing. They didn't add any other major starters. And they signed Corey Kluber to a one-year deal, right? So, how does he fit into this? Do you want to go after for fantasy? Well, last year, Corey Kluber with a raise, 10-10 record, 164 innings pitched. 434 ERA, 121 whip, and the 20% walk rate with a 3%, sorry, 20% strikeout rate with a 3% walk rate, I should say. His skills are kind of what we expect. He has a good curve and cutter. Both are not the exceptional breaking balls that we saw back in the day, but 30% plus CSW on each of them. And the fastballs are still bad. This is the thing about Kluber. The sinker and the four-seamer, no, 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 no. We do not like those pitches uh, he could be traded at the deadline. That's something to consider here. I don't think the Red Sox offense is elite anymore, like we used to consider it. But Corey Kluber could move to a winning ball club at the deadline as a one-year deal. Makes all the sense. Kind of like Kyle Gibson moved last year and Martin Perez kind of should have moved last year and he didn't. Uh, I guess the Rangers wanted to hold on to him for the qualifying offer for 2023, but that's another story. Regardless, uh, Corey Kluber fitting in with the Red Sox makes a lot of sense. And if you do draft him early on, you might benefit from a better second half with a different team getting more wins there. For 12-teamers, I don't really think you need to go after Corey Kluber. I don't really think he gets much better at this point. I don't think he's going to fix his fastballs all of a sudden. And the idea that his breaking balls um, are going to be magically your old selves again, kind of not really the case. The good whip was a product of that low walk rate that could stick around again, and I don't expect a 130-plus on that. But the E-rate being comfortably under 4 is going to have to mean everything goes his way this season, and Kluber, without the 25%-plus strikeout rate, isn't worth your time, I don't believe. He's a decent stream, and if you really are in a league that focuses on maybe quality starts or innings pitched, I understand it, as Corey Kluber is just going to be allowed to pitch as much as he wants. Uh, while the Red Sox aren't going to be finicky, at least not as much as the Rays were, even though the Rays weren't that much either. So, yeah, this is fine. Um, 15-teamers, I'm a little bit more okay with it because I think he will go longer. 
But then again, if he's going to have a 125 whip and a 4-3 ERA, does that do you any benefit in a 15-teamer? I don't know. I don't know if that really is that helpful. And if anything, it might even pull you down with having 170 innings of those bad ratios as opposed to good ones instead. So, Corey Kluber, Toby at best, not someone I'd be chasing. Um, And that is going to do it for this edition of the Plus Pitch Podcast. I was lucky. The Chicago White Sox, I did that one right after they signed Mike Clevenger. So that one's all full up to date. Uh, But thanks so much for rating and reviewing. Sorry my voice is a little bit different and it was maybe a little grating when I first came on being different. Uh, Apologies all around. Uh, But thanks so much for listening to these and I look forward to you guys listening to the future ones. But that's it. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babas be low and your strikeouts high.